I'm Coach Mickey. And I'm Belle. And we're so glad that you joined us today. And if this is your first time joining us on Coach Mickey Mellon Friends, come on in and make yourself comfortable. Grab your favorite cup of coffee, your tea, or whatever beverage you're drinking in your side of the world. And for those of you that join us on a regular basis, we are so glad that you do. We really do enjoy seeing your your comments, your questions, your suggestions. just actually sharing what you guys have to offer and what you're doing in your side of the world on all of our social media. And uh, as usual today with our circle of friends, are you guys ready for a little adventure? I know Mm -hmm. I am. How about you, Mel? Oh, I'm excited. I know. So as we do, we're going to give the description and see if you guys can figure out who this is. If not, you guys are going to have so much fun when he joins us. So this person has been working in the film industry as a professional stuntman for more than 35 years. He has he's a three time winner of the Taurus World Stunt Award, and he has literally risked his life performing stunts for some of Hollywood's biggest stars. That include Tom Cruise, Sylvester Stallone, Robert Downey Jr., uh, Mark Wahlberg, Robert De Niro, Ben Stiller, George Clooney, Charlie Sheen, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And honestly, the list is probably a lot longer than that. We're just throwing some out at you. Um, he has worked with some of the most successful directors and film in the film and television industry, including Ron Howard, Tom Burton, John Woo, and the late Tony Scott and Michael Bay. And we are really excited to have you on Stuntman Corey Eubanks. How are you? Ooh, yeah. I'm doing good, and thank you. I'm very flattered that you've invited me to be on your show. Well, we're excited to have you. And I know we've got an abundance of questions. Uh, and I'm sure you have got a lot of information that people want to know about the stunt world, because you guys are like the unsung heroes. You do all the hard work in all of these <laughs> films and TV. And you're always the background guys that are just putting your lives out there. And I don't think people really understand that when they're watching a film or a TV show. No, they don't. They don't understand. It's it's really kind of a mystery, the whole occupation and 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 where and, and it's so you know the directors these days are so creative with how editorially how they intercut what the actor has done with what the the stuntman has done. Um, they even have face replacement. Um, my good friend Oakley Lehman, he, he always doubled Paul Walker, and we were doing Too Fast, Too Furious down in South Beach, Miami, and they put these little computer dots all over Oakley's face, and they would film him head on, and then just replace his face with Paul Walker's face. Wow. So it's, it, yeah, it's really kind of hard to tell nowadays when it was a stuntman and when it was the act, you know, the actor. Wow. Well, I know you guys have to go through a lot. I mean, your your training is extensive. And I, I guess I'm going to start right from the beginning. How did you actually end up in, in this career? Like what, what started it? Well, you know, I thought that I wanted to be a professional boxer. I was I was a. A, a huge fan of Roberto Duran and a little bit of my, my father was involved in the boxing world a little bit. He helped promote the, the thriller Manila, uh, mm-hmm. Ollie Frazier fight. And, and um, so I thought that's what I was going to be a professional fighter. And I was in my gym in Canoga park and they came in, these guys came into the gym and taking photos and, you know, snooping around and found out that they were scouting for some boxers to be in a movie called the sting Two with Jackie Gleason and Carl Malden and uh, Mac Davis. And then I got tapped on the shoulder and said, Hey, you want to be an extra in, in, I didn't even know what that was. You want to be an extra in, in this movie we're going to do. I said, does it pay money? <laughs> 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 and they said, yes. I said that I'm in. And 
a long story short, I worked on it for three days as an extra and I was showing off on the speed bag and, and, you know, stunt guys, we like to show off if we have any talent at all. And I was showing off on the speed bag and I saw Mac Davis and this other guy pointing at me. And all of a sudden this man walks up named Ron Stein. And he says, Hey, we got a, a fight scene to do with a, with a professional boxer. And you're, you seem like you're pretty handy. Would you like to do it? Now this Ron Stein was the guy who taught Sylvester Stallone for Rocky along with my trainer, Ray Nataro from the left hook gym in Canoga park. He was also t- uh, training Sylvester Stallone. I used to box with uh, Sly's brother, Frank Stallone. He was my sparring partner. Oh, cool. But I ended up, because we were actually throwing punches and making contact, that qualified me to, uh, as a stuntman, to join the Screen Actors Guild as a stuntman. So that got me into the union. And now I'm at that age, I'm 18 years old. I'm kind of scratching my head about, well, maybe this is a sign from God. He does, you know, maybe I should not be a boxer. Maybe I should be a stuntman because I was brought up around it with my father, Bob Eubanks, who would go out. He was a, a weekend rodeo cowboy and he'd go out to this place called Paramount Ranch and he'd rope out there with James Caan and Steve McQueen would show up and this legendary stuntman named Hal Needham. <clears throat> I'd listen to these guys telling stunt stories and, I'm like, oh my God, it'd be so great to be a stuntman. I didn't know you could make a living at it. I had no idea. I thought they just did it for fun. <laughs> and, you know, and, and so then I, I told my dad, I said, hey, I just got Taft Hartley on this movie. I'm now in the Screen Actors Guild. I think I want to be a stuntman. And at the time, we were standing in my mom's living room and the Dukes of Hazard TV show was on. Oh, yeah. And they showed the General Lee flying through the air. And I pointed at the TV and I said, because I'd love to someday jump that General Lee. My dad goes, I know the executive producer, his name's Paul Picard. Oh this is called nepotism, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, he goes, he hired me to do the newlywed game. So my dad goes and makes a phone call on a Friday night while watching the show, calls Paul Picard and I'm on the show that following Monday as the youngest stuntman ever employed by Warner Brothers television who had no talent or experience at all oh my gosh it's like so exciting i've always wanted to jump generally myself so <laughs> yeah it's, it's quite a thrill oh my god so so i know you've worked on a lot of different my gosh your your list is huge of all the movies that you've worked on in tv shows mm-hmm. and, and everything so as you evolved and some of these these shows that you've worked on i know you've had like you said you've had the opportunity to work on pretty much every transformer and uh that has to be fun now how, now how has that evolved with your driving skills i mean just from the beginning from starting with a general lee to all these other things that you've done has there ever been something that you've done for the first time that and I'm assuming as a stunt person you've got to always have this adrenaline rushing so mm-hmm. when you're doing stuff for the first time what's it what's it like like kind of walk us through you know we're kind of living vicariously through I you know. so <laughs> yeah it's <clears throat> the the one thing I've learned and as you know I, I've been doing this now for 41 years and uh, I've lost nine friends I have two friends that are partially paralyzed. These things never make the media because we're not famous and nobody wants to really care. And also I think sometimes they worry that if that, that, that news gets out, it's going to maybe tarnish the release of the feet of the Mm -hmm. film. And so it's just not discussed. It's really swept under the rug. 
But the one thing I've learned that I never get comfortable. I never get, um, even if I'm doing like jumping the general lead that I did that for four years, um, when it comes to doing what we call a cannon roll, which is actually a, a cannon placed inside a vehicle and you, you, um, you know, you accelerate to about 65, 70 miles an hour, you pitch the vehicle sideways, you hit a button and this cannon that has, you know, up to 1600 PSI of nitrogen, this pole comes out, shoots into the ground and flips you over and you start tumbling. Oh gosh. And yeah. And you don't know where you're going to end up. You have a full roll cage and whatnot, but um, <clears throat> I've seen my peers that fall into that comfort zone. Oh, I've been there, done this before. That's when they get hurt. Yeah. So whenever I find myself getting comfortable, I then get really nervous because I know, oh my gosh, now I'm going to get hurt. And that gets the adrenaline shooting through your veins again. And, and I think with all athletes, um, your athleticism is so much more on point when you're, you've got some adrenaline, you know, shooting through your veins. So I never, I never get, um, what's that word? Compliant. What's that word? Complacent. Complacent. Yeah. I think it's almost like fear keeps you safe. I know that's, yes. that's, a, that's a term that we use skydiving. Right. It's like, you know, as long as you are, you never get comfortable, you never get comfortable because that's when mistakes happen. And that's when yes. things, yeah, no, I, I understand. And I was always wondering about that because I see a lot of these, you know, these movies where, you know, it's stunt people that are, that are doing all of these different mm-hmm. and difficult uh, scenes. And it's just like, I always wonder, you know, when you watch something, it's like, okay, how do they walk away from that? And I, again, mm-hmm. uh, obviously it's got to be the training and and everything else, which leads me to something that you had mentioned uh, prior. And again, as you guys know, uh, please know that you're going to find all the links and ways to uh, connect and see what's going on with, uh, with Corey that'll be within our podcast. But it's going to lead me right up to what we were talking about prior, that you're going to be offering um, a clinic to, to keep people safe in regards to doing anything in regards to cars. Yes. And this, I'm so excited because this has never been done before. There are stunt driving schools that you could go to. You know, a friend of mine, Bobby Orr, puts one on, and Rick Siemens um, driving school has been on for decades. But there's never been a car crashing clinic. And there is so much that I have learned over the past 41 years. I have cannon rolled, pipe ramped, jumped hundreds and hundreds of cars all over the world. I mean, I've, I've climbed into roll cages that were built in Spain, Hong Kong, Austria, Germany, you know, and and you compare how those fabricators make those roll cages. And and again, doing these types of stunts, head injuries are usually the the fatal, the fatal blow. Mike Toman was a friend of mine was killed when a roll cage collapsed. And another friend of mine, Bob Miner, was put into a coma and Gil Combs, a friend of mine, put into a coma. It happens. But there's so much out of fear that you study. Um, you study the, the aftermath, you study what happened to the roll cage and the equipment that that stuntman or stuntwoman used. And I have this plethora of knowledge now of all of the, from different stunt equipment that has failed to stunt equipment that has been proven to work over and over and over. And I've got all of this knowledge and wisdom that selfishly I've kept to myself because um you know, it's, it, it's like, it's like having a combination to a lock, to a safe, you know, it, anybody can, if they knew the numbers, they can open the, the lock, but I didn't want to give out the numbers, but now I just turned 60 years old two days ago. 
And I'm like, I'm in an age where it's time for me to, um, to step back, to step down and not do those big, big, dangerous vehicular stunts. Let the younger generation behind me, let them have a turn and come in. But let me pass on this knowledge that I have, I have acquired. And so I'm having a two day car crashing clinic where they're going to learn how to safely do cannon rolls, do pipe ramps, do car jumps and what equipment to use and what to expect when a vehicle flips upside down and it catches on fire and you're in a full roll cage, how do you get out of there? Because your safety extraction team isn't always going to be there on time while your vehicle's on fire, and then you're going to catch on fire. So so this is, I'm excited because what I'm going to pass on this knowledge could potentially end up saving someone's life. Oh yeah. And your experience, my gosh, I mean, that is, that is priceless, you know, and so valuable um, mm-hmm. to have that. And we're going to have uh, that link and all that information again, will be, be within our podcast. That's exciting. Congratulations. And by the way, yeah. happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I can't believe it took me this long to turn 60. <laughs> <laughs> Not far behind you. <laughs> so Mel, you had a couple questions yeah. that you were going to Ask Corey. Well, kind of along the line of what we were just talking about, is there a particular stunt that you won't do any longer? Yes. Yes, there's many, actually. Um, the one at the top of my list are, are high falls. There's been more fatalities in the stunt industry through high falls. Um, and that's really kind of been replaced now by decelerators and descenders, where everyone's because of the technology that we have now, the CGI. Mm-hmm. Um, where you could put someone on a decelerator or a descender and they have a vest on with a, a, a rope to them that um, they'll just rotoscope out when they're in post-production. So it's it's very rare that anyone's doing high falls anymore, but that would be one that I would say, no, no, thank you. Get someone else. Oh yeah. Um, That's probably our- one of my greatest fears is falling from great distances. So that one, that one I can understand. Well, Mel, didn't, didn't you tell me that you skydive? Or was, or was uh, that no, Mickey? no, that's, that's me. Mickey. <laughs> oh, okay. No, that don't work for me. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'd probably pass out uh, jumping out of the place. <laughs> so it won't work. <laughs> yeah. That, so, so high falls. And also I'm not a big fan of fire. I, I did a movie called backdraft when I was doubling Robert De Niro mm-hmm. and with Ron Howard directing. And we were, did a lot of experiments with fire. And fire is so unforgiving. And when it goes wrong, it's about, it, it goes wrong and you're burned. And I've been burned. I, I got burned on a, a movie with Pam Anderson called Barbed Wire. And I had to have a little piece of my finger skin graft and replaced. And it's the most excruciating pain um, I've, I've ever felt was having burnt flesh. So yeah. any, anytime someone offers me a fire gag, I say, no, thank you. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, well, you're constantly putting your life out there because every time you're doing something, I mean, how big is the crew that you have to have involved whenever you're doing any of these stunts? You know, it could be massive. It could be hundreds of people that come together to collaborate, to, to put everything together to make the stunt happen, or it could be just you by yourself. Wow. So you have to really have your knowledge and know what you're doing when it's just you. Yes. I I think one of the, the goes down in my book is one of the scariest things I ever did was for John Woo on a, on a movie called hostage. It was a BMW movie. Mm -hmm. Clive Owen was the star and I was doubling him. And I had a Z four BMW, a convertible 
And I had to throw what they call a 270 degree slide, not a 360, but a 270 to the edge of a drawbridge. And if I were to overshoot and go too far, I was going to drop 52 feet into the ocean. And it was one of those things that I was like, wow, this is all up to me. If I, if I mess up and I do mess up all the time, that's, you know, I'm, I'm, everyone being human, eventually you, you do make a mistake. And it was so intimidating. It was so frightening to me. Uh, that's another stuff that I, I would, I would never, I would never attempt to do ever again. Wow. Wow. I, I'm looking on it on the opposite side. What's some of the f- most fun stuff you've done? Like, what do you really like doing? Like, what's like, Oh, this is going to be a fun day when you show up on the set. Well, I'll give you an example. I, I was working on the TV show SWAT and a good friend of mine, Charlie Brewer is the stunt coordinator. He was directing second unit and, and we were downtown Hollywood <laughs> downtown on a Sunday. And we were just doing a high speed police car chase where it like back in the old days, you would have like three or four turns all in one shot, meaning come off an intersection and pitch the car sideways and slide around the corner as fast as you can and race down the street and then make a, a left-hand turn and then go down and make a right-hand turn. They did these long master shots. Today, it seems to be done everything in little bits and pieces, like one corner, one corner. But we were doing it, these master shots that were long and and it was just fun. It was just, and then bumping and banging when you, when you have the cars where they, we call them, they nerf the fenders. They put extra supports within the fenders. So when you <laughs> smash into each other, the, the, the fenders won't go into the wheels. And, and then you, you get your buddy that you're racing against. Like my friend, Sammy Maloof, when we were doing Fast and Furious 3 Tokyo Drift, and I was in a Viper and he was in a Monte Carlo and we're just smashing into each other as hard as you can. And then th- 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 things like that are fun. There's a lot of fun times. Oh, it's like wow. a high price game of bumper cars. <laughs> yes, pretty well, much. Know, I was going to say, growing up in the South, you know, we we like to uh, take a lot of sports cars and race them, and we'd go to demolition derby nights and stuff like that. So, what do you, what do you feel are good qualities that a person would need if they wanted to be a stunt uh, stunt person and get into the industry? You know what is so crazy about that question is everything. You everything. I mean, I'll give an example. I've grown up in Southern California. I used to surf. Well, surfing came in, into uh, when I was doing Pacific Blue, this TV show. And we had a lot of surfing sequences that we had to do. I rodeoed in the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association, riding bulls and bareback horses. Well, I was doubling Pee Wee Herman on Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I had to ride a bucking bull. I've raced motorcycles. Um, I've done numerous motorcycle jumps and laydowns. And that's another thing. I, I will know if handlebars are dangerous. So if, if it's got handlebars on it, I don't, at my age, I won't do motorcycle stunts anymore. Um, my boxing career, bought picture fights, um, that, that transitioned into my career. Uh, rappelling, used to go climbing off cliffs and rappelling in Australian and you know, it just, so many things. And, and the one thing I was blessed with was my father's ranch. We had a 265 acre ranch just north of Santa Barbara. And all of the roads behind our ranch were dirt. And they went out about 11 miles and looped back. But there's all these twisty turns. So when I was a little kid, I was, you know, 12, 13 years old. I used to take the ranch truck and I'd take some rope and make a seatbelt. 
And I would take off down those roads and start sliding the truck and, you know, power sliding around the turns. Well, it turns out I'm on the Dukes of Hazard sliding the general lead. I'm like, this is what I did when I was 12 years old. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like fun. So you need to be pretty well-rounded and pretty adventurous. Fearless, is- maybe. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that's my point, to be well-rounded. Although I will say the industry has turned into a bunch of specialists in certain fields where they're like, hey, I only do horse stunts or I only do motorcycle stunts. I only do wire work. I'm like, wow, back in my day, we had to learn how to know how to do everything um, or, or they wouldn't take you on the, on the, on the film. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's such a specialized field. I mean, to, to do what you're doing. And like you said, to have that knowledge and experience that experience, you know, as le- you're learning as you're going along, I would imagine, you know, I so- learn all the time, all the time I'm on set. I'll go, wow, damn, I didn't know that. Or that, you know, that, that worked better than what I was doing. There's so there's, yeah, it's a constant and as things evolve, but, but there, there are some, there are some vehicular stunts that it kind of, I kind of chuckle because even on the latest transformers movie, you know, we're doing, doing a little pipe ramp to flip a car over. I'm like, we were doing this back on a team and Hunter and the fall guy back in the early eighties. And we're doing the same exact stunt. <laughs> we got to come up with something new. <laughs> so I know you've got some, you just got off of transformers. What are you, what are you working on now? What are some of the things that you've got in the, in the future? Well, this last week I was working on a TV show called Mayans and I'm supposed to go back to work on, Oh, and then just before that, I was on the new Walker, Texas Ranger. We filmed that in Austin, Texas, which was kind of kind of strange because I did the original Walker, Texas Ranger with Chuck Norris. Oh, wow. And, oh, yeah. Neat. And my friend Chad Dashnaw is the stunt coordinator and second unit director. And I went back there and I flipped over a Hummer out of a out of a warehouse off one of those loading docks. You had to crash through a door and flip this Hummer up upside down for him. And that was a lot of fun. That was a challenge, actually. It was a very tight spot. But that, and then this next week, I think on the 7th or next, yeah, this next month, this month on the 7th, I'm supposed to work on Mayans again. The, the one thing about the stunt industry, though, it's consistently inconsistent. You really never know where you're going to be next week or the week after. I mean, my phone could ring today and I'm going, hey, Corey, you want to you go back to home? I was in Dubai at the beginning of the year I, I, uh, of last year. And I, I didn't know I was going to go to Dubai. Phone rings. Hey, you want to go to Dubai for, you know, three weeks? I'm like, okay. So it's uh, <laughs> Not. pretty unpredictable. Now, do you have to travel a lot? Because a lot of these take different uh, locations. So do you find that one day you're, you're one place and then the next day they're flying you somewhere else and you have to be prepared to do another stunt within a 24-hour period? It's so accurate what you just said. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. when I, we're doing um, night and day with Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz and we were in Boston, Massachusetts, and then we're on a, on a plane and we're flying over to Austria. And then we were in Austria for a few weeks. And we, then we went to Sevilla, Spain. And, and then we came back, back to Detroit and then came back to Los Angeles. Yeah. It was, and especially with your Michael Bay, you know, gosh, we, you know, Hong Kong. And then we're in London and just all over the, all over the map. 
Now, when you're traveling like that, and especially in the line of work that you're doing, I mean, again, now, first of all, you for your age, I know you just shared your age, but if, when you guys see pictures of Corey, first of all, you look nothing your age. You just don't look your age. But it's probably because you have to keep yourself in such impeccable shape and, and keep yourself healthy because this has got to be pretty taxing on your body, even just all that traveling. My gosh, just thinking about that traveling as a normal person having to go somewhere, oh, really? I can't even imagine. Imagine having to fly to another country and then be prepared to pull off a stunt that right. has to have a hundred percent of your attention. Yeah, it's the thing that that makes it so difficult, and it happened on the last Transformers movie. They actually had three different units. They had the first unit, you know, all the acting and all the dialogue. They had the second unit, where it's a whole great deal of of um, the stunts. Uh, then they had the third unit, which was more the visual effects, but the visual effects also needed stuntmen as well. And some of those units were shooting all nights and some of those units were shooting all days. And we were ping-ponging back and forth between nights and days and nights and days. And that just exhausts you and you get you, you get delirious. You're like, I'm, I don't even know what day of the week it is. I just know that the sun is shining and I got to work today. And then you sleep for a few hours and they're like, oh, we need you to go back. The, the, you know, the insert unit needs you or the, the first unit needs you. And I'm like, are they shooting nights or days? They're shooting nights. I'm like, oh gosh, I was going to sleep tonight. So that, that is, makes it dangerous because you, you can't focus very well. And yeah. also sometimes you get sick, you know, you just get run down. I can imagine. I mean, because yeah. again, just the mental you know, just the mental ability to, to be prepared. I mean, that can be tiring in itself, you know, because you've got to be so spot on, you know, like you said, because your life's in your hands, you know, To and, and I'm assuming other people too. Now, I know you do a lot of the stunts, you know, driving, obviously, you know, it's just you. How is it when you're working with other people? I mean, and, and again, because you see a lot of times different fight scenes or you see where there's a lot of collaboration. Um, how often do you work with the same people or is it always different? Gosh, you really have good questions. Um, it's it's both, actually. There are times that you'll find yourself on a film, um, giving an example, what was called Boss Level with Mel Gibson and <clears throat> who was the other guy? Frank Grillo. And we were back in Atlanta. And it was the same team of these guys from ISA, which is International Stuntman's Association Group. Great group of stuntmen. I mean, incredibly talented. See, because there are groups. There's the Stuntmen's Association. There's Stunts Unlimited. There's Brand X. There's International Stuntmen's Association and Stunt Women's Association. Um, And when you get with that one group of guys and through the whole film, it's like a team playing together. You kind of now know what to expect from each other and who's got what talents and what areas. And it makes it easier. But then you switch on to another film and you're throwing a bunch of people together that have never worked together and you're putting being put in these potentially, you know, dangerous situations. And you don't know what that person's capable of doing or not doing. Uh, can they be trusted or not be trusted? Do they have good timing or do they make stupid decisions when they're under panic? Um, and, and you have to find out while they're rolling cameras. And, and that, too, is is just a lot of things have gone wrong, go wrong and makes your occupation as a stunt performer extremely dangerous when you're working with someone, you don't know what they know, what their experience is. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Do you ever get an opportunity to try, you know, to run through it dry prior to, you know, going live on film? Or is it something they just throw you right in there and you're just expected to know what mm-hmm. you're doing? Depends on who you're working for. If, oh. if, no. you're working for, if you're working for Michael Bay, you shoot the rehearsals. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of times it's not choreographed. A lot of times things you do are so, you know, I hate to use that word organic, but they're organic. It's like, it, it's like, and I've learned this too, it, 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 from when you will see an, an actor and an actress, they're going to do a scene together and they're going to do the first rehearsal. And maybe, oops, they stepped on each other's lines or oh, you, you, I didn't know you were going to move there. It's so much more natural. And sometimes it, 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 in our term is, it looks too stunty. If things are too choreographed or too perfectly um, in sync, sometimes when things are sloppy, it looks more realistic. And I think that's why Michael Bay, when we do the Transformers movies, he's like, let's just shoot this. You know, and, <laughs> and, you're like, okay. and you go out and you're, you're winging it. And a lot of times you're going, wow, that was close. Or I didn't know those explosions were going to go off right there in front of me. It's been um, un, un, unlike any other director I've ever worked for. And I've worked for a, a lot. You know, I've, I've done over a thousand episodic television shows and a 140 something, 150 feature films. Um, yeah. Working with Michael Bay. And, and not rehearsing so much of the stuff is has been extremely uh, challenging and exciting. Nothing like nothing else like it. <laughs> so that's interesting because you think about you know back in the day when it was like the stunt and once you crashed a car that was it. You know, I mean, it's like you only got one take, right? So you really didn't do a lot of practicing, did you? No, that's the other thing. That's the other thing about the pressure that you're under when you're, you are crashing a car, you know, the car is going to be totaled. You know that they spent tens of thousands of dollars to buy the car, to have the roll cage put in, to pay for the location, to bring the crew out there. You can't rehearse it and you've got to go for it. Oh, and by the way, the director wants you to end up upside down right here in this intersection. Oh, God. Oh, (laughs) Hey, you crashed parallel park really well then. Um, <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, so those scenarios have happened before. You've you've been on. You said you've had the opportunity to be on every Transformer, and you were the drive. You are the driver for what Bumblebee? Is that? Yeah, I, I've driven the Bumblebee in every single Transformers movie, and also I was I started doubling when Mark Wahlberg came onto the show. I would do the stunt driving for Mark Wahlberg because he'd have a another full figure double that would do you know the out of the car, um, all the all the dangerous stunts. I, I just did a lot of driving for Mark um, on my on the very first Transformers movie. I, I had to actually double Megan Fox, which was a little. Um, embarrassing to have to put on a wig and, and, and a blouse and, and walk in front of you know twenty stuff guys dressed like a girl. It's uh, a lot of you get. I got a couple yeah. whistles though. Yeah, got but a man, of I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's a day of work where you go home and you're shaking your head and you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't feel too macho today. <laughs> you made her look good though. Oh, yeah. I, I tell you one other embarrassing moment was on, on Pee Wee's big adventure. And I was doubling Paul Rubens and I had to ride this bucking bull named TJ hooker. 
And this thing hooks, hooked me in the back of the head with its horn, knocked me unconscious. And they, they loaded me up and took me to the hospital dressed as Pee Wee Herman. But when you come into the, into the emergency room, (laughs) they don't know that you're working on a movie and that you're a stuntman doubling Pee Wee Herman. (laughs) (laughs) You're just this weird guy that's coming through the double doors on a gurney (laughs) with a little red bow tie and a gray suit. That's way too small. (laughs) And the, but you get used to it because I had to, I, twice I went to the hospital two times dressed like Pee Wee Herman on that oh. movie. <laughs> I, think, I think what amazes me is all these movies you've worked on that are incredible, such as Transformers and Mr. and Mrs. Smith, like all these heavy duty, you know, generally. And when you go to the hospital is Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> it's just not fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh my god it's not fair <laughs> it's funny because I, I can imagine is the people that were in the hospital they're, they're they're telling that tale to this day you know about yeah. <laughs> yeah so you have got uh you've got a podcast that you've started and this is going to be fun and it's called what stunt stories you that you started just recently right yeah well you know i i did, did a thing years ago on youtube and I was doing some stunt stories and, and then my work would get in the way and pull me away from home for several months. And, and I'd try to come back to do it again. And, and I, I shot actually on tape, I shot 24 episodes and I, I would interview my friends that have, you know, doubled the biggest stars and actresses in the world. And we were trying to shop it around to some of the networks to see if they'd be interested in. And again, it falls back to that. We're not famous. Stunt performers are not a famous, um, celebrity that they want to have and so <clears throat> the, the the general consensus was that oh well if you can get the 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 stuntman and his actor or get the stunt woman and her actress to sit on the couch now we've got something mm. well what are the chances of that right so very slim to none so i thought but there's so many great great stories of some of these stuntmen and stunt women that I've worked with are some of the most phenomenal athletes in the world and they never get praise. It's, it's a no, no to brag about yourself in our industry. You don't do it. So I brag for them. And I, I get like you guys are doing with me, you know, you're asking me questions. I, I got to be a little braggadocious today and tell you, you know, some stunts I've done and, and it's fun for me and it's fun for them. And so I started doing, it's just, a, it's no video. It's just audio. I call them and we talk about films we've worked on together and what they're doing now or what's the most dangerous that you've ever done. And, and I just like to try to, you know, put the, the spotlight on them and, and let them shine. And, and, and who knows, maybe their kids or grandkids someday will hear it and go, I didn't know that grandpa got to do that or grandma was a stunt, you know, a stunt woman. So, yeah, so I do, I do that uh, stunt stories podcast. That is so fun. And, and like I said, you guys are the unsung heroes. You know, you, you watch all of these things and these movies and you know that there's individuals that are doing it. And I do, I do have one more question. Um, I know a lot of actors and actresses, uh, mostly actors are, are doing a lot of their own stunt work. I mean, does that, that, how does that work in your field? Because you're brought in to do specific things and now you have someone who is the, uh, the main person within that film wanting to do stunts, does it make your life difficult or is it something where they just kind of weave it in and it doesn't really affect you in any way, shape or form? 
the latter of what you just said. Yeah, it, they kind of weave it in, and it, it depends on <clears throat> on who that actor is. For mm-hmm. example, Jackie Chan. I, I've worked with Jackie Chan on on Rush Hour one and two and got to see him do some stuff. And what a phenomenal athlete, unbelievable athleticism that man has. And he would do, uh, I would say Jackie Chan's done more of his own stunts than any other actor in the industry. Second would probably be Tom Cruise. And I I've performed stunts for Tom on three feature films, unbelievable athlete, uh, extremely coordinated, courageous, uh, brave, but the way that whole thing works is he has a stunt double named Casey O'Neill. That now that that you know he's gone through a lot. Keith Campbell, Jimmy Roberts, Buddy Joe Hooker, Corey Eubanks. He's had a lot of stunt doubles. But what Tom likes to do is let let the stunt double work out the rehearsal, do it over and over, and he'll stand there and watch. You know, what foot did you take off on? What what knee did you hit first? You know, when did you jump in the air? And he'll watch it when he sees it successfully, you know, like three or four times in a row. Okay. He'll say, okay, I'm ready. I, I want to do it now. And he'll step in and he'll do it. And there's a lot of times I thought we were back in Austria and he was running along these rooftops. And if he would have slipped and fall and he would have fallen like 27 feet down to the street. Gosh. And I thought to myself, why, why Tom, we're, you're running away from camera. No one's going to know it's 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 you don't he goes no I got a certain way I run that people can tell and so I don't know if that was what it was or he just loves that adrenaline rush but yeah it, sometimes it makes it very easy for you and you, you show up and and you you show the actor how it's going to go I understand you want to do this stunt this is how we're going to do it and that you show them and you collaborate with them and you say hey you pat them on the back you say hey good luck and you step you step aside um and it's it happened to me many many times with various actors, um, but you're nervous for them, you know. And it's because now they're in the hot seat, and it's uh, and sometimes things, as we all know, do go wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it has been so much fun having you on. I, I loved your stories and um, and what you're doing, and I love the fact that you're going to be offering this car crashing clinic, you know, to help other people that really want to get into the industry. And um, you have your own podcast now, which, like you said having the opportunity to share the information because, you know, I, I know there's more people out there like Mel and I that, you know, we were curious. We're like, come on, there's gotta be, I want to hear the backstory. I want to know how this is done and, and what goes on. And, and I love the fact that you took the opportunity to share that with us. And, and I, we are so grateful. Thank you so much thank for being with so us, much. Corey. Oh, thank you guys for having me. It was a lot of fun and I really appreciate it. All right, our circle of friends, we are so glad that you joined us. And again, uh, we are with Corey Eubanks. You're going to be able to find all his information within the podcast and also on all of our social media. And uh, we love having you guys and hearing from you. And uh, we want to also let you know that uh, we have a new sponsor. So if you get an opportunity, please look up Life is Good. Uh, They are going to be doing some stuff with Mel and I, and that's exciting. We'll have all that information. And how perfect is that for us, Mel, today? Life is good. Life is fabulous. I know. So uh, so guys, please join us again next week. And as again, we are just ordinary friends trying to live an extraordinary life. Have an amazing day. And we love you. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye, y'all. This episode was brought to you by KeepOnSharing.com. They're calling themselves the first truly ethical social network. 
They'll share back 50% of their revenue with their users, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. It's free to register, and they never sell your information. You can list your products, events, and content for free. Adult content accounts, be gone. They're fun, positive, and encouraging sites supporting local business. In a day and age where social media sites, even well-established ones, are being brought to light left and right for their questionable and sometimes downright archaic business practices, KeepOnSharing.com is a well-needed breath of fresh air. While you can share personal content, news articles, or just about anything for fun and profit, the marketplace allows practically anyone to sell anything at any time from anywhere. But on this site, you are the boss. I cannot express how amazing it is that KeepOnSharing.com shares 50% of all revenue back with the users on top of having a truly transparent, supportive, and clean business model. Check them out. I'm signing up. Will you? Go ahead and meet me on there. Just go to KeepOnSharing.com. A link will be provided in this episode's description. 